Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Chaney, and Lou Katz. I watched A Christmas Story, and I noticed this time that the scene toward the end in the Chinese restaurant has really not aged You're just figuring that out? (laughs) (laughs) Yes! with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz begins now. Welcome now to the regular podcast. Mm. <laughs> is this regular? <laughs> it's as regular as it is. It's, it's the one that catches you up on new movies mm. and the best of TV. Ooh. I'm Lou Katz, and with me here in the Hound Radio studios, Jen Cheney oh, of Vulture and WTOP Radio. Oh. Hello, hello. And longtime radio and television reviewer, Arch Campbell. Yeah, emphasis on the long time. <laughs> I want to tell you that, but here we are, and award season is heating up, Jen, and this is one of my favorite times of the movie season, and what did you think of the Oscar nominations? Well, when I realized that Joker had gotten the most nominations with 11, I, yeah. my first thought was Arch is not going to be happy. <laughs> I, I posted something on Facebook. You've got to be joking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but I was I expecting it to were. get some nominations, but I didn't necessarily think it would get 11. Now, I thought The Irishman and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would get uh, most of the, you know, the most nominations. The mo- A lot of times, the movie that gets the most wins the least. Mm-hmm. So maybe that will be the story of uh, Joker. But Joker had huge box office. I think it's maybe, what, the number three movie of the entire year? Something like that. It's way up there. Uh, but I was surprised. I hate Joker. I just hated it. <laughs> I know you did. <laughs> <laughs> where, where do you stand on Joker? I mean, I do. Um, I admire Joaquin Phoenix's performance in it, just in terms of the gopher brokenness of it and his commitment level. And I think he's going to win partly because of that and partly because, you know, it's sort of odd that he hasn't gotten an Oscar. He's been doing good work for a really long right. time. But my main issue with that movie is that I feel at all times like it thinks it's deeper than it actually is, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I really was surprised to see Todd Phillips in the best director category. Yeah, because he quotes Martin Scorsese basically during the whole movie. Right. And I thought Greta Gerwig absolutely uh-huh. deserved to be in there before he did. And That's, especially uh... with no women at all in the category. That was a huge oversight as far as I'm concerned. Well, and she really is a director to watch. She did Lady Bird, and now she's done Little Women. And what she did with Little Women is she made it accessible to a whole new generation and added energy, and the way she moved it around was uh, brilliant. I, I think she really is somebody to watch, and it, it is a snub. And if you think about what Joker, you, you put Joker next to Little Women, Joker mm-hmm. was also taking a story that we kind of know and telling it in a different way, but using language that we've seen a hundred times before. Yeah, Whereas Greta yeah. Gerwig was doing that, but in a way that felt very fresh and new and interesting. The other one that uh, really got to me was Aquafina. Mm. I voted for her in the Critics' Choice Awards, and she won the Golden Globe. She did. Did she for uh, The Farewell? And she's not nominated as Best Actress. And I, I was, don't get it. I was very disappointed that Lupita Nyong'o was not nominated mm-hmm. for us. Um, that's an extraordinary which, performance. It she is. was nominated by the Screen Actors Guild, which is you know often a a sort of hint as to what might happen at the Academy Awards, and she just got completely shut out. Well, does this reflect the new uh, wider uh, range of uh, voting members of the Academy, or does it reflect the old guard still dominating, or, you know, what's the deal? Actresses vote for actresses. Directors vote for director. You know, it's like that, except for best movie. What's going on? I I don't know. I mean... (laughs) You know, I I think, yeah, I mean, there were some really good performances by, you know, non-white people. (laughs) Uh, We mentioned Lupita, we mentioned Aquafina, Jennifer Lopez was another one that people were freaking out that she wasn't in there because that was, felt like a done deal just about. Uh, You know, now that doesn't bother me quite as much. Yeah. As um, uh, Aquafina. Yeah, I mean, I think Aquafina's performance was a maybe a deeper performance. But, you know, I also think that this was a very, like, white male year for movies in terms of, I mean, you look at these Best Picture nominations, and they do have that sort of traditional, in some ways, 
nostalgia thing going on. You know, you have a war movie, you have The Irishman, you got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, here's the best picture nominations. Ford versus Ferrari. That's that's a guy movie. The Irishman, that certainly is a guy movie. Jojo Rabbit, uh, it's about Hitler, a <laughs> Hitler movie. Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, uh, I would say uh, are uh, the opposite. 1917, That's that to me, that's derivative of Saving Private Ryan and not as good. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, that certainly is a, a manly movie. And uh, Parasite... I don't know where I would put Parasite. Although. I mean, and I, I don't want to reduce it to that because obviously yeah. women can like and do like many of these films. I, I loved a lot of these, but their their focus and the stories they are telling are largely about white men. And I think that's very striking when the Academy has been making efforts to, like you said, yeah, be they, more they've, inclusive. They've, uh, you know, there's a lot of new members. There's a lot of uh, young and diverse and uh, hip people who are uh, Academy uh, voters now. So I'm surprised. Uh, actually, Jojo Rabbit, as I think about it, uh, that performance by the uh, woman who plays his mother. Scarlett Johansson. Char- you know, and she got two uh, nominations, did. incidentally. Her performance as the kid's mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was that was nice. So so there's our Oscar nominations. What else you got? You know, one of the movies that surprised me is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which I thought was quite strong when I saw it and is really getting uh, very little love. Yeah, I mean, they nominated uh, Tom Hanks for his performance, but that was really the yeah. only one, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe yeah. was it? Did it get a screenplay nomination? Uh, it might have. Maybe for uh, ad, you know, because it's based on a magazine article, so it might right. have been adapted. I'm starting to get a sense of everything except what's going to win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. I I have no idea. I think this is going to be one of those years where uh, it's a surprise. Well, that would be nice. <laughs> and I suppose, you know, is it too soon to uh, to say what we think? It's never too soon. People start <laughs> saying what they think a year before the Academy Awards, like the day after the Oscars is over. So what's going to be nominated next year? So uh, pretty much Joaquin Phoenix for Best Actor. Yeah, I think I so. hated him, in the, but you know, I loved him in The Master. Mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite films. And he made another movie, Inherent Vice, mm-hmm. which I also liked a lot. So, yeah, I, you know, if he wins, he's a good actor. Uh, best Actress seems to be uh, Renee Zellweger for Judy. Right. And Brad Pitt for Best Supporting Actor. That looks like a dumb deal. And uh, as Best Supporting Actress, it appears to be Laura Dern. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would be predicting at this moment. Okay. You actually make predictions on a weekly basis on Gold Derby? Well, weekly is exaggerating. <laughs> weekly, if I remember to update it or I change my mind. Um, but yeah, I do that. So what is your hunch as best picture? I mean, my hunch right now would be 1917 just because it won the Globe and, and it, mm-hmm. it got quite a few nominations as well. Had a big weekend, too. And yes. they liked that. And again, as we talked about, I think, in last week's podcast, just what they do from a technical standpoint, uh, you know, people in the industry know how difficult that is to do and to pull off, as well as Sam Mendes and his team did. Would it be something like 1917 as best movie and Tarantino as best director? I think there could definitely be a split. Yeah, that they might not go to the same thing. You know, usually I look to see what won the Directors Guild Award when I'm predicting best director. Yeah. And uh, we won't know that answer for a little bit. What's coming up? What are the next? What's the next uh, wave of awards? The next award show is the SAG Awards, the Screen Actors Guild Awards, which Mm. is this Sunday night. Yeah. Um, And then after that, we get the Grammys, which is not our problem. And then. (laughs) (laughs) Not our problem. And then. um, Ladies and gentlemen, Lou Katz. (laughs) (laughs) And then the BAFTAs and then the Oscars. BAFTAs are generally a good uh, predictor. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes not. Yeah. You voted in the Critics' Choice Awards. I did. What did you vote for Best Picture? I thought in a democracy you didn't have to say. Oh, Uh, no, I'm I'm kidding. I'll tell you. Well, I brought along a list of who I voted for. Okay. And then you tell me if I'm crazy or not. So I voted for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as Best Picture. And and they won. It won the uh, Mm -hmm. Critics' Choice Award. 
I voted for De Niro for Best Actor, and of course, Joaquin, who wasn't even nominated for an Oscar or a SAG. Uh, but, but you know, I I liked him best of all mm-hmm. in The Irishman, so I voted for him just because I didn't want to vote for Joaquin Phoenix, who won anyway. <laughs> And I voted for Aquafina mm. in the Critics' Choice, and uh, Renee Zellweger won. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did vote for uh, Brad Pitt, and I voted for Scarlett Johansson. Mm. Okay. And uh, she lost in that one to uh, Laura Dern in Marriage Story. I I voted <laughs> for Little Women for Best Picture. Oh, good. And good. I like that. I honestly right now cannot tell you whether I voted for DiCaprio or Adam Driver as Best Actor, but it was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and Best Actress, I went with Lupita Nyong'o because I, I, uh-huh. that was the mm-hmm. performance that blew me away more than any other one. That was something. I voted for Brad Pitt, and I believe I did vote for Laura Dern. So, you know, it's shaping up. This year, I don't really have a movie that I love. There's nothing I'm going around telling everybody I know. You got to see this. You got to watch this. Do you? I mean, I think the closest thing is Little Women, probably. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, do, I don't have something that I'm rooting really hard for. I've been recommending American Factory... The documentary. Yes, that's a really great documentary. It it plays like a feature film. It's a, a GM plant in Ohio closes, and a few years later, a Chinese company takes over and tries to bring their culture to our culture. Mm-hmm. And it's the first uh, film as part of the Obama's deal with right. Netflix, so I'm right. wondering if the Obamas will be coming to the Oscars. Hmm. It will have happened, but, you know, the, uh, Gore, Al Gore won uh, a couple of years ago and earlier than that. So there you go. That's that's our take on the Oscars, which is nobody knows what's going to win Best Movie. And maybe that's good. Yeah, it's more fun that way. And, uh, and there's not a host, and maybe that's good. I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that. But I just got a feeling that we're in sort of a nebulous time where movies and television are sort of shifting, Mm -hmm. which is one reason I love talking to you every week. Because Mm -hmm. one of these years, I don't think this is going to be the year that a Netflix movie wins Best Movie, but I think it's coming. So I'm sticking by that. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. (laughs) So, uh, Lou, what do we do now? Well, coming up, Arch and Jen on what's new this weekend at the movies. Oh, oh, new movies. New movies, plus Mm -hmm. the best of TV. Mm. And later on in the podcast, we're going to hear from this week's special movie guest critic. Oh. The Morning Drive host on Classical 90.9 WETA-FM, Linda Carducci. It's the classiest thing this podcast (laughs) has done. (laughs) It certainly. Is. have a classical music announcer. And she's wonderful. She's from Pittsburgh, and she's got some really interesting thoughts on the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh, yeah, Plus, we'll have yeah. Best Bets, and, yes, the moment you've been waiting for, <laughs> the answer to this week's trivia question, which oh, we're going to throw out oh, right now. Oh, what What is the question this week? In what year did Ford beat Ferrari in the Le Mans 24-hour race? What year was that race? Was this the year that Henry uh, automated and paid $5 a day? <laughs> I don't know, Art. You have the answer, and I know you're not giving it up yet. <laughs> but first, officially, this is the CATS Podcasting System. All right, so here we are. We're back, and Jen, television is your bailiwick, and uh, this week and last week, I was quite surprised at the popularity of the Jeopardy! Primetime Greatest of All Time series. Were you involved? Did did you get uh, caught up in that? Uh, I a little bit. I I watched the last night because I wanted to see if Ken Jennings oh. was going to win. But yeah, it was a huge rating success for ABC. There was like I think it was fifteen million people or something watched at least uh, one of the nights, and probably more than that when you factor in DVR and so forth. So uh, I think they're going to be coming up with other reasons to have yeah. Jeopardy in prime time. Well, now I do want to say that they lied <laughs> because. Okay. They scheduled six shows, six hours, and they, they pre-taped, they taped this in December, so they knew it was only going to go four shows. So, I just want to say that, and I, <laughs> you know, I mean, you can say that was showbiz and all, but I, I do want to say that 
I was kind of looking forward to six shows. That would, yeah. And I think they're disappointed that six shows didn't happen. Right. Just make Ken Jennings dumber. I mean, <laughs> I would have extended it a little longer. I couldn't get any of the questions. I could not answer any of the final Jeopardies. Oh, they were very hard. Did you know the Shakespeare one who who has the most speeches? And, you know, I thought Falstaff mm-hmm. or, or the beer Falstaff or, was Iago. Mm-hmm. I want to quote Hank Stuver in the Washington Post. Do you know Hank? I do know Hank, yeah. And you respect his opinion? Very much so. He wrote an interesting piece today kind of saying it's too bad our society is this smackdown, best-of-all-time society. But then he ends it by speculating that by winning the greatest-of-all-time, Ken Jennings will probably replace Alex Trebek. That's a comment. I can see that happening. My son, Max, is a huge Jeopardy fan, uh-huh. and he made that exact same prediction, Arch, mm-hmm. just last night. He said, you know, we hope Alex is here forever, but... When it's time to replace the host, he says they ought to put Ken Jennings in there. Well, you know, I mean, the question is, would have come up anyway, because Alex is almost 80, and I think his contract has got another year on it. And as everyone knows, he has stage four pancreatic cancer and is being treated for it. And we all want him to continue and, and prevail but it does raise the question of who would take his place. And if not Ken Jennings, who else? Right. I can't think of anybody. Right. No, that that's the logical choice. Wink Martindale. <laughs> <laughs> this is not Tic Tac Dale. Come on. Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> oh, he doesn't have there enough jobs. <laughs> but one thing that was nice about that many people watching is that mm-hmm. that show is actually educational and an intellectual exercise and the fact that that many americans were actually doing that i'm like i hope it raised the iq level of the country for yes. at least a few nights well and the other thing if you're thinking about ken jennings taking over 30 years ago they'd have been talking to wink martindale or somebody mm-hmm. like him and ken jennings is a more normal smart uh guy that uh that you uh admire because of his brains not because he's so uh, slick and has beautiful hair i mean the other thing though is that when they have kind of cast these hosts for game shows they usually mm-hmm. look to you know like steve harvey on family feud or drew right. carey on the prices yeah. right people who are like actors or established personalities mm-hmm. um but within the jeopardy world ken jennings is an established personality well i think it's a great idea and uh, i think hank stuver is uh, brilliant to come up with that and i i hope that happens and i also hope that alex is okay yeah me too so let's see new movies this week you saw something new called weathering with you weathering with you yes that's the subtitle of this podcast isn't it <laughs> since you joined <laughs> you're weathering us not at all uh so this is an animated movie uh it's from a studio called g kids that yeah. does a lot of distribution of foreign animated films um, a number of their films have been nominated for the best animated feature award at the oscars this one wasn't unfortunately but it's a beautiful movie it's about a runaway teenage boy in Tokyo. And it's sort of looking at the future where climate change is becoming more of an issue and it's constantly raining in Tokyo. And there's, he meets a girl who is called a sunshine girl that she has these magical powers that can make the sun come out for a certain period of time. Is this one of those Eastern kind of mystical, there's a term for them, which I of course can't remember now. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of anime style Uh um, uh animation. But it's it's really a lovely movie. It's it's not for little kids. Like it's a PG thirteen rated film, but the animation in it is beautiful. And uh, and what's also really interesting is that it's opening pretty wide this weekend. And when you go see it, you can either choose to see the subtitled version with the Japanese, or they have a version that has been dubbed with American actors. Mm-hmm. And if you look when you look for your showtimes, you can choose which one you want to see, which I think is nice. I personally prefer the subtitles and the Japanese, but. Not everybody does. Well, I would imagine maybe the dubbed-in version isn't as bad as uh, uh, Godzilla or yeah. some of these, uh, because it's animated. Right, right. I went to see Bad Boys for Life. Mm-hmm. I looked it up. Will Smith and Martin Lawrence made the original Bad Boys 25 years ago. That doesn't sound right. No, I no, believe it you, doesn't. but it doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't, but it's 25 years. My friend, who was in the screening with me, said... Did you ever think you'd see a Will Smith movie open 
on an odd weekend in January when they kind of burn things off, you know, how how far has he dropped? Mm-hmm. And the prejudice you walk in with is, oh, it's it's lethal weapon done 40 years later, and, you know, what else can they do with this? But I'm surprised to tell you that it was, uh, although it was a lot of the same old stuff, it starts with a car chase, but as it turns out, without giving too much away, the car chase is to the hospital so Martin can uh, view the birth of his grandchild. (laughs) (laughs) They're grandpas now. Uh, And then there's a drug cartel and there's lots of shooting and and helicopters and bad guys in helicopters swinging on ropes and a drug cartel and, and a trip to Mexico and... But they tap into the age difference, and they bring in a young group of uh, police recruits to work with the old guys. And it's funny. I laughed out loud. I was I was surprised. It's it's the same old stuff, but it was very enjoyable. We don't need this movie, mm-hmm. and it's it's not like they're breaking anything. Uh, they're breaking in any new uh, genre or anything. But uh, the audience enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it, and there's a, a hint of a sequel to this afterwards. Okay. And there's also a, there's a delicious plot twist that rises above the material. So uh, I'm mixed to positive on it, I, and, and I'm surprised. Hmm. Last week, I meant to ask you, finally you went to see Cats. I did. <laughs> I saw it as soon as I possibly could. Is Cat still playing? Barely. So, because I guess the people that love musicals are going to turn, you know, love this. No, no. I, I really think it was people who were like, what the hell is this? I've got to find out. Because that was what I was doing there. And it really, it brings audiences together uh-huh. because uh-huh. when it's over, you tar- start talking to people. You don't know, like, what What did you just watch? <laughs> there was an article somewhere that uh, people are going to see Cat's uh, hi. Yes, Mara Judkiss <laughs> wrote that in the Washington Post. It was yes. a really funny story. Love Mara. <laughs> <laughs> Several people mentioned to me that Judy Dench uh, looks like Bert Lahr in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what happened is, I, I can't remember if we discussed this, but they put the movie out, and then over the opening weekend, they put out a, an updated version that had updated effects. Really? Yes. And if you if you were going to a theater that had, um, you know, that was able to like download the new version, then you could see that version starting on the Sunday, which is the day that I went. And if and if your theater didn't, then you kind of had to wait until they got like a hard copy or something. And I was praying that we had the original, but I don't think we did. Um, so I think the effects were like marginally better. Like you didn't see like Judy Dench's hand with her wedding ring on it or something in the, in the version I saw. Oh my gosh! Well. I, I think m- musicals to succeed uh, on the big screen now—that's something you got to navigate. That's not not an easy genre. It isn't, but I will tell you, there's a lot more musicals on television now too. We're we're getting into a ton of them that are coming in the next few months. Uh, really? Like, yeah. For instance, um, well, there was one that debuted that literally no one talked about, and it's because it wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> on Netflix, there's a show called Soundtrack. Um, yeah. That debuted last month. There's this um, Zoe's playlist i forget the full name of the show but it's oh. on nbc oh i saw the trailer yeah, I saw the, for that saw the promos for that there's one i think there's maybe even two like animated ones there's definitely one coming to netflix that's animated and another one that's like a teen post-apocalyptic type deal that's also a musical have you previewed zoe's playlist i saw um most of the first episode i haven't watched the rest but i thought it was kind of cute my my coworkers were not into it at all, but I I don't know. I thought it was. Not, They've not tried. What well, when they're a, a cop show where they would break in? Yeah, yeah. And it lasted what one season or two? Yeah, but I mean, I think there's probably a lot of reasons why this is happening. I think TikTok kids watch TikTok. People mm-hmm. doing little mm-hmm. videos and singing along. Crazy ex girlfriend was a great show that was had musical numbers in it. So I think that if they're trying to appeal to younger viewers, they think that the musical might be the way to go. I've been wanting to report to you that uh, last Friday night, because I started watching Unbreakable, Gina and I sat down and we watched six hours where (laughs) we binged the whole thing, stayed up way past our bedtime, and it was worth every minute of it. Mm. Unbelievable. 
And I'm the, the one thing I'm telling everybody these days is unbelievable on Netflix. You got anything that com- compares to that? I mean, that was one of my favorite shows from last year. So I don't know that I have anything that compares to it yet. But there is a show that debuts like this weekend on Apple TV Plus, if you have Apple TV Plus. Oh. <laughs> I know. It's called Little America. It's an anthology series. Um, Kumail Nanjiani and Emily B. Gordon, who did The Big mm. Sick together, are yeah, among the producers. Yeah. Alan Yang, uh, who did uh, Master of None with um, Aziz Ansari. And each episode is about a different American immigrant experience. And I think most, if not all of them, are based on real stories. And each one is only a half an hour, but it's it's a really good show. It's a really I think it's the best thing Apple has probably put out so far. And and tell me the name again. It's called Little America. Little America. And if I don't want to go to the trouble to subscribe to Apple TV, <laughs> can I get an app on this through uh, my smart TV? Maybe and uh... you'd still have to subscribe to Apple TV. Mm. Yeah. You, you got to pay, unfortunately. Um, Tim Cook wants your credit card number, Arch. Yeah. So. I mean, this is the deal. All these all these <laughs> new services are going to be offering shows, just like Netflix does, that are uh-huh. original to them. And if you want to see them, you've got to pay for I Disney mean, Plus and for this and for Hulu and for... Not just three ninety nine. dollars no. not a one-time rent. Nope, it's a monthly subscription. Oh, I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything else in TV we need to know about? I mean, probably, but we'll, we'll leave it there for now. <laughs> well, okay. All right. <laughs> Lou, take it away. I will arch a little plug for Hound Radio. It's music, it's chat, it's this and that, including cool features like this, which you can find at houndradio.com. Check it out. Hound Radio welcomes you to the weird and wacky world of dogs. A weekly look at what our canine friends are up to. <laughs> We know that dogs can sniff out drugs and disease and dead bodies. And now we know they can sniff out pornography. Not the pictures themselves, but the hard drives and cell phones those images are often stored on. Although we can't smell it, all electronic storage devices contain a chemical called triphenylphosphine oxide, or TPPO, which has an odor so faint only dogs can detect it. Trained ESD dogs have found hidden hard drives that police officers missed in their search of homes or offices for evidence. ESD dogs have also been used in counterterrorism cases to find cell phones that have gone flying after fatal car wrecks and even to investigate insider threats such as surveillance devices in corporate environments. It seems there's no end to what dogs can do for us. I'm Faith Lapidus for Hound Radio. The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. We are back with our podcast, and Arch, we have yet another guest here in the Hound Radio Studios. This week's guest critic possesses one of the great voices in radio. She is a classically trained pianist, a native of Pittsburgh. Working in radio, she hosted programs in various formats ranging from underground rock to classical, and these days she hosts the morning show on classical WETA FM. It is our great honor to have in the studio Linda Carducci. Yay! Well, and I have Lou, two people applauding me anyway. You and Linda worked together. <laughs> we at we a we, we we did. We actually worked for one oh seven three back in the nineties. Yeah, that was in the nineties. It was back yeah. in the nineties, and and Linda was working as uh, Linda Rose, I believe, was your on air name. That's right? right. That's my middle name. Right, mm-hmm. Linda Rose, and and you were doing the weekend shift at uh, Mix one hundred seven point three, and that's where I first met you. That's right. I think you were doing afternoon. I was right? doing the afternoon show that's, there. Yeah, that's so. true. Was he yeah. stuck up when he was the afternoon he was, guy? Was a delight. To as, was I was as stuck up then as I am now. Arch. <laughs> nothing. Nothing has changed. Well, I first noticed your voice when you took over weekends at WETA, and then the morning show on WETA. I think you have one of the best voices in radio. Thank you so much, and thank you for being a loyal listener, because I, I do think of you and, and certain people when I'm on the air, especially early in the morning. I appreciate early morning listeners. You are from Pittsburgh. Yes. And uh, today you are going to review a movie that has Pittsburgh in it. And what movie is that? You're our guest critic. 
Thank you. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Set in Pittsburgh at the educational station with Mr. Rogers. That's right. WQED, which which similar to WETA, was a television radio combo. And that was the home of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and Mr. Rogers himself. He was. Did you know uh, Mr. Rogers? Or I met him on two occasions. Really? Yes, I did public relations for the Pittsburgh Symphony for four mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. and there were times when um, Mr. Rogers, who was a great classical music fan, really, and, yeah, yeah, he supported the Pittsburgh Symphony. We'd go off, and once in a while, he would ask the PR office if he could go backstage and meet one of the performers after the. The concert. And so because I was in the PR office, that was one of my duties. And so I would escort him back. I did on two occasions. And he was just as nice in person as he was Mm. on television. Well, so I guess the question is, how close did Tom Hanks come to the Mr. Rogers you met? Well, that's why I had a little bit of a disconnect in the the movie itself. Oh, oh, we're getting criticism. (laughs) Well, Arch, she is the guest (laughs) critic. the guest critics. Oh. You weren't wild about the uh, performance? No, or the movie itself. Really? Yeah. Well, tell us more. Okay. I think that Tom Hanks took a slightly strange caricature of Mr. Mm-hmm. Rogers. I don't mm-hmm. remember Mr. Rogers ever doing those kind of distortions with his face whenever he would talk to somebody. And I think he was a little bit more relaxed than Tom Hanks was. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing that says that Tom Hanks had to portray him or impersonate him perfectly. But I just found some of the the close-ups of his face doing these facial distortions when he was talking to the reporter, who was the main, really the main character. Mm -hmm. I found that a little bit disconcerting and and certainly not genuine, I didn't think. Wow. I I also think that, you know, the the movie is not about Mr. Rogers. It's about this this reporter who's trying to come to terms with with his relationship with his father. And and Mr. Rogers plays an important role in, in, in guiding that. Did that disappoint you that it wasn't as much about Mr. Rogers? Yes, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also the way they characterized him. I just think that he was a little bit more laid back than, than Tom Hanks portrayed him. And, and as I say, some sort of facial expressions that I never saw Mr. Rogers do. But on the good part of that mm-hmm. of that movie, I thought was the actor uh, Matthew Reese, who yeah. played the role of the reporter. Guy Excellent. from the Americans. Oh, was he in the Americans? Yeah, yeah, he was in the Americans, that Russian spy show that was so good with Cary Russell. He's a great actor, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he really yeah, is. Yeah, so I think that was the redeeming factor of that entire movie. So you're mixed on the Mr. Rogers movie. I am. And you have another one that you wanted to bring to our attention? Yes, um, I think the best movie of the year, or at least the one that I liked the most, was called The Mustang, not to be confused with Ford versus Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> or the car that Lou drives. <laughs> or the or Pinto versus Vega. <laughs> Dating myself. Um, but it's a story that is based on, on true occurrences that, with this um, prison that's in Nevada. And they try to rehabilitate um, the prisoners by training wild Mustangs to be uh, domesticated horses. So that the horses could then be sold off to, to the Navy or to the Marines or to, to um, you know, Commercial entities. Yeah, it's a documentary. I think it, it, it's something like a documentary, yeah. Docudrama, Docudrama. I guess. Yeah, yeah. And available uh, online. We can download it, The Mustang. I uh, think it's been out a while, and yes, I it has. missed it. Yeah, it came out this year. I got it on Netflix. Uh, the, the, the director is a French woman who I'd never heard of before, but it is somehow connected to uh, Robert Redford and the Sundance uh, Institute. Wow. Yeah, so he, he sort of supported it, and I saw him online promoting it. I think that the the actor who played the the main character was just phenomenal, and I think he deserves the Academy Award this year. It's a Belgian actor, mm-hmm. Matthias Schonarts. You may have heard of him. He was in um, Far from the Madding Crowd a few years ago. Oh yeah, 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 and some other things. So, uh, Lou, I think uh, Linda Carducci is our best guest critic so far. <laughs> I, I, She's I think really on, done her homework. I think on the bark scale of <laughs> zero being a complete dog to. <laughs> To 10 being the best, I think she ranks right up there at the top there, Arch. Now, while the we house, have the advantage of <laughs> you uh, in the studio, I, it's so interesting to me that you did underground rock as well as classical music. Mm-hmm. How did you get that breadth of information? What, what was the hardest rock artist you played? Oh, I would say uh, maybe ACDC. Really? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You remember that. Yeah, that, that'd go over real well at WETA, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't it? I think so. <laughs> well, I always had this double life, though. While I was uh-huh. working with the Pittsburgh Symphony, because mm-hmm. I had a, a yeah. degree in classical music, I studied it all of my life. 
I was doing rock on weekends. Wow. So I had this double life going on. So I was able to just transfer that know, to Washington. Did they know or was it sort of a secret? No, they were well aware of it. And uh, <laughs> even if they wanted to stop me, I don't think they could have. Well, you you bring a wonderful personality to the morning show on WETA. I love that they told you to use your name because you worked as Linda Rose often. And uh, how did you feel when somebody finally said, your name is Linda Carducci, use it? I was a little bit uh, surprised at first. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, the the people at WETA understood that it might be a hard adjustment for me to go from many years of being Linda Linda Rose Rose, to all of a sudden Linda Carducci. And they said, if you're not comfortable with it, we won't go with it. But they were very understanding about it. But no, I felt it was important to establish a different persona from what I had done for many, many years Mm -hmm. in rock as Linda Rose. But I did have to put up a little sign with my real name on it. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To to remind myself who I am. (laughs) Did you perform and speak differently as Linda Rose than you do as Linda Carducci? Yes. What what are the differences? The delivery was much quicker when I was doing Uh rock and and what we were doing at Mix. Sure. uh, 107.3, right? Right. Much faster delivery. We had a little bit more personality that was injected when we were doing rock and and the, the mix format. So I had to tone that down a bit when I got to uh, to classical WETA. There's a side of me that always wanted to be a classical music announcer. And I've decided I could never do it because I would murder the pronunciations. And you've brought a couple. What do you do when you come up against a performer or, or a composer with with an unpronounceable name, skip it. I I would think I would just just act <laughs> yeah. like you didn't play. Here's it. old what's his name with uh, the divorce. Yeah, never never mind. Moving on. Yeah. Moving along. Here's AC DC. I can pronounce that. Particularly now, you know, the performers are are often from uh, wide flung parts of the world with that's right unusual names. That's right, and beautiful names. You um, yes, we should say that. I, I will say that in some cases, because I've I've been immersed in mm. classical music since I was a child, some of these names I know, I know, and I know how to pronounce fairly accurately, I think, because I heard them growing up. In other cases where I am not familiar with, it's usually a performer, because composer's names I'm pretty familiar yeah. with. In those cases, um, there's several online sources that you can go to to, to check pronunciations, and, and these pronunciations are spoken online by native speakers. So that's a big help to me. And then I'll write a little phonetic. Uh, so what's phonetic. the wildest one you've come up against lately? Well, I think that it's a, it's a Polish name. And it's a it's a pianist mm-hmm. by the name of Janusz Olinichok. <laughs> oh, that rolls right <laughs> off her tongue. Look at that. <laughs> I had to look at, a, at the phonetic. <laughs> Once you say it three times. It's uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sigiswald Kirken. What? Uh, what 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 is is it a he or a she? He he's a violinist and a, mm-hmm. um, uh, a conductor. Uh, there's a there's an ensemble out of Finland and they have some unusual unusual pronouncing names. Mm-hmm. Um, Symphonia Finlandia Yavaskula. <laughs> now I'm sure no. that there are people listening to this who's saying I'm not pronouncing it correctly. I, you know, I was just oh going to ask God. Arch, how do we know she's just not making this stuff up? <laughs> Come on, I don't. I have no idea. But I have to hand it to you, Linda, for for admitting here on the podcast that you really are using the Internet as a cheat sheet for the pronunciation. Thank God for the Internet. Yeah, I have to come clean on that. Thank God for the Internet. (laughs) And uh, finally, you uh, want to remind us of the uh, widespread use of classical music in movies. That's correct. Um, I have a few examples. Um, the uh, she did her homework. No one has ever come in here. Never been prepared this prepared. Like this I'm no I'm man. Straight A's. People come in. It's just it's off the top. Yeah, is that it's what all, it is? Yeah, exactly. We just wing it. Exactly. <laughs> That's why it sounds so great. Uh, did you remember the movie The Pianist? There was oh, a lot sure. of yeah. There yeah. was a lot of great classical music mm-hmm. in that. The Chopin piano concertos and all. Mm. Woody Allen used has used classical music. And in my favorite movie, Hannah and Her Sisters, um, he used some opera, Puccini, Madame Butterfly. I oh, yeah. And, yeah, and some chamber music and Bach. He also used it in Crimes and Misdemeanors, the Schubert um, Death and the Maiden chamber music. Wow. Woody Allen. And um, also Phantom Thread, which was a movie that came out about a year and a half ago. Yeah, where it was um, Daniel Day-Lewis as a designer. Yes. And it was a bizarre Alfred Hitchcock-like, really wonderful movie. You know, that was my favorite of that year. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was one of mine. Really? Yes. Wonderful. You know, there was some original music in there, but there was also some Debussy Mm -hmm. that you know. Mm -hmm. Debussy? That you know. Not Debussy? 
<laughs> Where's that internet? Where's that internet pronunciation guy? Come on. When you need it. I remember the movie being there, which had a lot of um, that kind of existential uh, composer. Oh, like Satie or Poulain? Yeah, Satie. Oh, okay. Yeah, they used that almost exclusively in there. Interesting. Yeah, there's a long history of it. Fantasia, of course, used mm-hmm. it, and, mm-hmm. and the King's Speech that came out a few years ago. Uh, there was the story of George the Sixth or something, and they used Beethoven in that. And Clark I Orange. hear a lot of opera uh, used uh, to uh, quote what's going on in a film, and it, and they use operas I'm not familiar with. So, ah, uh, okay, uh, I have to go back and look them up. And what are you going to do? Do you listen to opera? Yeah. Now you guys offer opera on WETA on what is it the HD channel or on, or how's that work? No, it's the main channel and it's every Saturday afternoon. And so when the Metropolitan Opera live is, from the Met. Yeah. And when they're doing their live broadcast, which I think is December through May, if I'm not mistaken, we carry that live. Oh, you do live. Yeah, yeah. And then during the non Met season, WETA takes syndicated Beretic performances from other sources, sometimes LA Opera or Chicago Opera. Years ago, there was an announcer for the Metropolitan Opera who, during the week, was the booth announcer for Channel 7 in New York. And uh, someone burst into his booth one afternoon and said, We've got a news bulletin. You've got to read it. So the slide came on the air news bulletin, and he says, here's a bulletin from the WABC-TV newsroom. In a news conference today, New York Mayor Richard Wagner announced. No. <laughs> it's an old story. <laughs> oh, so, so you are uh, set and happy in your life as the morning voice of uh, WETA classical music in Washington, and uh, Lou and I are big fans. Thank you so much, and I'm very grateful to Classical WETA for giving me a rocker for years, 30 <laughs> years on, on the air, rock, a break in doing classical. But I love every moment of it. Look, it's from rock to Bach. Uh, <laughs> I've been saving that line for, we've been working on that line for weeks. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say? No, I would like to ask you. Do you have yeah. a favorite from film from this year? Uh, my favorite this year is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I love that. And I love the radio soundtracks they use. Wonderful. In that from uh, KFI in L.A. And just, uh, you know, the way it captures 1969 is just wonderful. Southern California, lots yeah. of cars driving around. And and literally the end of an era. Yes. And a celebration of radio. So yeah. once upon a time in Hollywood. What else are you thinking about? I would just like to thank you. I've I've been lead, listening to your podcast for, uh, what, about a year now you've been doing them? Well, Almost, now you know. Too. Coming up on March will be a year. Oh, really? you, are March. The, you are the official voice of the podcast. Oh, you poor things. <laughs> I wouldn't say that at all. She hasn't cashed any of the royalty checks yet, Arch, so be nice to her. Please. We have a new member of the podcast, Jen Cheney, and so uh, we've renamed the show to give Jen equal uh, billing. So would you read some drop-ins for us? I would be happy to. All right. Ah, uh, the moment we've been waiting for. Go ahead. Previously on At the Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz. Perfect. That's right. I love she, it. One take, Linda. <laughs> Even with the laugh soundtrack in the right. back. Oh, one yeah, take, Linda. Like yes. Okay. Next. At the movies with Arch Campbell, <laughs> Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz begins now. She nails what, it every it, time. What a different I'm t- No, it's perfect. Next, right. you got another one in there. This is the Katz podcasting system. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, one more. At the Movies with Arch Campbell, (laughs) Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz Mm. comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz Podcasting System. (laughs) The best talent money can't buy. (laughs) Well, it's the moment you haven't been waiting for, the part you're probably going to fast forward over anyway, but too bad we are here. We are here with this week's movie trivia question. I, but you know the answer to this already. I have an idea, but you I'm not 100% dirty, sure. Lou drives a Porsche. Do you really? know that? Really? Lou looks like, he looks like Will Smith in Bad Boys <laughs> in his Porsche. I wish Will's, I had one one millionth of Will Smith's bank account. That's part of the deal. Will Smith drives this uh, this beautiful blue Porsche. Oh, really? 
cornering and now i gotta and, go see it and martin lawrence <laughs> is hanging on for dear life in the front seat like i do when i ride with Lou. exactly let's <laughs> hope all states not listening not listening to our podcast here is the question oh, are yes. you ready arch i know yes. i know you got the answer but we'll see if maybe jen can chime in in what year did ford beat ferrari in the actual le mans 24-hour race we need the year well i know it was the 60s Oh, well, that's good. She's narrowed it down, right? That's good. Uh, good. I'll give you a hint. Mm -hmm. It was in a Mustang. Okay. That hint is the Mustang uh, came out in 1964 and a half. Right. Right. So it would have been like like 66 or 67. 66! All right. Jen Cheney comes through. Bravo. 1966. And yes, I just was... won Lou Katz's Porsche. What a <laughs> you, you get a ride around the block. Yeah, exactly. I'll be your Uber driver for a, <laughs> for, for a half an and hour. And that is answered in Ford versus Ferrari. Right. That's where the answer is. So uh, we've asked you to bring us some best bets for the weekend. What do you like this weekend? All right. Well, I have two TV shows and one movie for you. Ooh, okay. Uh, one TV show is... The reboot of Party of Five, which oh. just started on Freeform. Uh, if you remember the original Party of Five, it was about uh, a family of kids that were orphaned, and the oldest one is supposed to be the guardian, but he's not responsible. And it's about these young kids trying to navigate life without their parents. They have taken that same idea, but in this case, it's about a Mexican-American family, and the parents get deported. Oh, and so the, yeah. the kids are trying to go on without them, but, the, you know... The parents aren't dead. They're still alive, and they're in this limbo situation where their parents are back in Mexico. And it's it's really, it's well done. I mean, now, you said this is on free form? Correct. What's that? It used to be, what did it used to be? It used to be like Disney Family, I guess. So is this on my uh, it cable It would be on your lineup? cable. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Free form. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yes, yeah, so you can actually get it. You don't have to pay anything extra. <laughs> oh, good. Aside from good. the million dollars you're probably paying for cable. <laughs> Uh, another show called Dare Me. It's on USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we talked about Cheer last week. This is also a cheerleading show, but not a docu series. It's based on Megan Abbott's novel, and it's sort of about uh, a lot of intrigue and it's a mystery thriller that's set within a cheerleading squad in Ohio. Oh, and it's it's one of these that you know if you they release them week by week, but if you have all the episodes, you would be binging them very quickly because mm-hmm. you want to figure out what's really going on. Dare me. Dare me. I, I was looking at uh, USA, and they were running promos for, is it The Center? Yes, the new season of The Center is coming out. Is that, Are you a fan of that? Or? Yeah, yeah, I have been. It's the guy with a secret life. Mm-hmm. In each, well, it's it's also an, uh, it's an anthology series in that every season is a different story. Oh, oh. So, so like the first a- season was... um. What's her face? Jessica. Beale. Jessica, Jessica Beale. Jessica Beale. I couldn't think I of it. I can't believe that I came up with the name because usually <laughs> I'm the one. Yeah. So she was kind of the center of the um, the first season and the second season had Carrie Coon and Bill Pullman is always uh, uh-huh. the main guy in it and he will be this season as well. But it'll tell a different story, focus on a different oh, crime. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I watched uh, the first two seasons of that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. The center. Okay. But that's not your recommendation. Yours no, is not yet. Party of Five. Party of Five, Dare Me. And then at the movies, if it's still playing somewhere, uh, Uncut Gems. Which did really? not get any Oscar nominations. No. Um, not for Adam Sandler, but uh, it's a two-hour heart attack, and I mean that in a complimentary way. <laughs> the nicest way. <laughs> <laughs> really intense movie with a lot of twists that you will not see coming. And, and Sandler is excellent in it. He really is. And he said, since he did not get any Oscar love, that he's going to go back to making uh, the crummiest movies possible. Well, he was going right. to do that anyway, let's be honest. <laughs> did, did you see... That uh, Kathy Bates uh, tweeted to him as as his mother character in uh, uh, the, the Water, w- Boy, Water yeah. Boy. Yeah, love that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to recommend Little Women at the movies. Uh, I think it's extraordinary and one of the best of the year and accessible. So uh, I'm telling people to go see Little Women. And on your streaming service, I just want to remind you, you can stream Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I suppose that is the movie that I am hottest about. Mm -hmm. I wish I had something I could tell you that I just love. Uh, The other one is uh, American Factory, which I think you can stream now. 
documentary Yeah, it's on channel. Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is uh, extraordinary. So that's a good uh, that's a good bet. So Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, American Factory, Little Women. Lou, <laughs> what are your recommendations this weekend? Anything you'd like to see while it's snowing out on Saturday morning. <laughs> yes. Anything. You, you Rock had some, salt. You had some final thoughts you wanted to share? Well, I, I recently read that Liam Neeson wasn't nominated for an Oscar because all of his roles have been taken. Ba-dum-bum. <laughs> all right. Okay, boomer. Uh, Jen? So... Earlier this week, it was announced that Tina Fey and Amy Poehler will be returning to host the Golden Globes They're next good. year. Yes. So I have decided that for the next weeks through the Oscars, every week I'm going to bring in a different quote from one of their previous Golden Globe turns. Oh, Great good. idea. Because like some good. of them um, mm-hmm. actually hold up perfectly well. <laughs> and their material is funny. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is from the 2014 Golden Globes. Uh, Tina Fey said, one of my favorite films this year is the movie Her, which takes place in the not-so-distant future, which is perfect because so does Joaquin Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> Great flashback there. Wow. Thank you, Jen. And as always, we thank you for listening to our podcast. I'm Lou. He's Art. She's Jen. Of course, we'll be back next week with At The Movies. But first, we want to wrap up this week's podcast with a song that Arch found. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, by Randy Newman. Right. Uh, he got an Oscar nomination for his song from Toy Story 4, I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away. Have you heard? I, yeah. So, um, you know, go for it, Randy Newman. I can't let you. I can't let you. I can't let you throw yourself away. I can't let you. I can't let you. I can't let you throw yourself away. Don't you want to see that little girl loves you so? Her heart would break. You should go. I can't let you. I can't let you. I can't let you throw yourself away. I can't let you. I can't let you. I can't let you throw yourself away. Son, it seems to me like you're never going to behave yourself. I'm not going to do this every day Come tomorrow, you're going to have to save yourself Got nothing more to say You're not listening anyway I can't let you I can't let you I can't let you throw yourself away I can't let you I can't let you I can't let you throw yourself away This is the Cats Podcasting System.